All right. So Yuli, you talked about Xavier. Appreciate that. Uh, the one question we had after playing the recording was, where is he? Why aren't you with him right now? It's complicated. Okay. Well, I'm assuming you're going to get to it and we're eager to hear what happens. So why don't you just keep telling your story? Okay. All right. Someone was shaking me, and I didn't know why. I tried rolling over and slapping away the hand, but it didn't stop. A big lick on my left cheek roused me from my sleep. I opened my eyes to a huge mouth with an impossibly long tongue hanging out the side. Tapping you didn't work, so I tried shaking you by the shoulder. Looks like only Finn McCool can wake you up, Xavier said in a low voice. It's 3 o'clock a.m., and I don't think I can stay awake anymore. Do you mind getting up and watching the stairs for an hour or two? Yeah, right, I said, hauling myself into a sitting position so I could slide my feet, still on my boots, onto the floor. I, I got second watch. Here, Xavier said, strap on this arm guard and make sure you have an arrow notch, just in case. But I don't think th this dog would let us stay up here all relaxed if there was anyone else in the house. He dropped into the other bed and was soon breathing rhythmically. I got up to make sure I didn't fall back to sleep. I'd seen it on war movies I used to watch with my grandfather. Okay, Sarge, I got next watch. Next thing you know, the kid's asleep, snoring loud enough to wake up the graveyard while the bad guys are sneaking up on them. So I stood and looked out toward the stairs, listening. Finn McCool was sitting beside me, so tall it was like a short—I was like a short person standing there. It kind of creep, it kind of creeped me out in the darkness with him sitting there. But as I thought about all that Finn had done for me already in just a few hours, I felt good having him on my side. At some point, he slid down and stretched his front leg straight out. But I don't think he ever slept, even when he dropped his long head onto his front legs the way dogs do when they're biding their time. I think I could have slept just fine with him playing guard dog, but I couldn't chance it with armed men slinking around the house. As I stared down into the darkness of the living room, shadows began to take shape, darker shapes oozing from still darker shapes. I watched as they slithered across the floor, and just when I thought, just when I thought they would attack us from the bottom of the steps, they'd evaporate into still more darkness. I looked over at Finn McCool, sure he had seen it, but he only flickered one eye at me and raised his eyebrow without lifting his head, as if to say, what's with you? Later I shivered as I saw dark shadows moving in front of us, peering over the steps, ready to finish us off. My heart hammered in my chest, scared to death, sure they were coming up to get us. At one point, the clouds must have cleared and moonlight shone silvery and clear and bright into the house. I could see no one at all from my field of vision, though Finn McCool pick picked up his head, suddenly interested to see it all in the light of the moon. I put my arm along his back and could feel him tense. Here they come, I thought. When Finn started a low growl deep in his chest, his body vibrating like a powerful engine, I tensed, ready for the attack. I felt terrified, thinking of what kind of people would wait in silence for us, even after losing at least two of their own, one from an arrow and the other from a vicious dog. The whole thing creeped me out, I won't lie, and I leaned hard against Finn McCool as the clouds blocked out the moon again and the house passed into darkness again. His growling diminished, and a couple minutes later, he lowered his horse-like head back onto his front legs. I started to relax again, feeling the fatigue of the day and the letdown after the latest adrenaline rush. I stifled a desperate yelp when Finn jerked his head up and looked back at me like he didn't know I was there. Out of the corner of his eye, he stared me down before moving in on me, quick as a snake strike, licking my face and catching me on my mouth. I wiped it off. I don't like dogs licking me on my, on my on the mouth, but I like that he wanted to lick me, you know? 
Morning came faster than I thought it would. It's amazing how quickly time can pass when you're periodically scared to death. Sure, they are coming for you. I'd nearly forgotten Xavier was there when I heard him cough. A soft light began seeping through the windows. When I looked back, I saw him rubbing his eyes, still lying back on the bed. What time is it, Yuli? I don't know, I said. Everything okay last night, I guess, Xavier said. Yeah, but I kept seeing things like they were moving around downstairs and peering up the steps, I said. I saw the same thing, Xavier said, laughing. Scared the crap out of you, I bet. Yeah, and Finn McCool got tense a couple of times and started growling. But it was real quiet, I said. We have to go down and check it out, Xavier said. I guess you're right, I said. Anyway, I need to use the bathroom. So something fierce. I hear you, boss, Xavier said, rolling himself into a sitting position. You go first, and I'll stand guard. Let's use the one up here for now. All right, I said, standing up to stretch my arms over my head, just realizing how stiff I was. I peed for like five minutes. I flushed the toilet, and it worked as, as promised and even refilled. Running water was still a reality, so that was good. I was feeling pretty good as I washed my hands and threw water on my face, which was surprising since I slept so little and was almost murdered on two occasions since yesterday afternoon. Throw in the fact that I hadn't seen my mother since Monday, modern society had ceased to exist, and nearly all technology depended dependent on a power source no longer working. I was holding up pretty well. I dried my hands with a blue hand towel on the towel bar when I realized my face and some of my hair was dripping. I grabbed a clean towel from off another towel rack, breathing in the fresh smell of fabric softener. I felt like I could throw up and cry and scream all at once, homesick and thinking about what my mother must be going through. I put the towel back and walked out of the bathroom. We need to get moving, I said to Xavier. He looked at me closely. Yeah, okay, we'll get moving, he said, stepping inside the bathroom. Before he closed the door, he turned around and said, This place gives me the creeps. Keep an eye out, he shut the door. I stood in the middle of what was more of a landing than a hallway, looking down the steps, now nearly completely lit up in, by the morning sun. I was pretty sure I saw blood stains on the rug going into the kitchen, and the more I stared, I was beginning to see pairs of bloody footprints. Many people had been walking back and forth on the rug, back and forth, with blood on their shoes. I walked over to Finn McCool. He was standing, looking down at the steps, cocking his head slowly from one side to the other, like he was running to a, into an unheard frequency. It made the hair on the back of my head stand up so straight, I reached for the bow and notched an arrow. Low growling began again from Finn's chest, and my heart skipped a beat. I figured if I ever made it out of this whole mess, I'd probably need a new heart from all the times it had thumped out of sheer terror. The bathroom door flung open and Xavier walked out. Let's go, he said. Hey, what kind of name is Yuli, anyway? I put my finger to my mouth and pointed to Finn, who had started the whole head on one side, then on the other side of the thing. More growling. Xavier looked around, realized I had the bow, and reached down to his thigh, coming up with some big-ass hunting knife, like you could stab a grizzly with it in the chest and come out through the back, or like a short sword fit for a Spartan. He handed it to me and waved his fingers to me, like, give it to me, pointing to the bow. I gave it to him, and he was ready to let fly. I pointed at Finn McCool and then downstairs. Xavier nodded. Let's go, I said to Finn, slapping him on the back. That must have been the signal he was waiting for because Finn launched himself down the steps again, turning hard left toward the kitchen and barking like crazy. I ran after him, and I fell up over my shoulder, with Xavier thumping down the steps close behind me. The floor was covered in dried blood and strips of wood. Bloody footprints were everywhere. Four of the five brown wooden kitchen chairs were knocked over, but there was no body. The kitchen door looked like a bull had run through and left nothing but pieces of jagged wood where a solid door should have been. Finn was in the dining room, and I followed him in there. 
Had there been anything in my stomach from the last 12 hours, I would have thrown it up. On the side of the dining room was a man's body, real white and real cold. I could tell that much. His throat was a torn and bloody mass of ripped and folded skin. I turned away quick and saw the hunting rifle under the dining table, not far from the body. Before I picked it up, I knew it was a .270, which is not a bad weapon to have. I checked and counted four rounds in the magazine. I breathed hard once and stepped over to the body to go through his pockets. I lucked out and found a box of rounds in his right front jacket pocket. I slipped it into my back pocket and slung the rifle onto my back. Let's go, Xavier said from behind me. I jumped. Don't sneak up on me like that, I said. You scared the crap out of me. Sorry about that, Xavier said, holding the shotgun on his shoulder, the barrel facing behind him. Since you have that, do you mind if... No, go ahead. Take it. I said. We better go back into the kitchen, get some food, and get out of here. Okay, I said. I'm going to get my backpack and see what else I can hold in it. Do you have a backpack? Xavier shook his head. Give me a minute and we'll look in the garage together. I went upstairs and found my backpack where I left it in the bedroom. Downstairs, Xavier had taken out all the canned food, baked beans, green beans, peaches, pears, and tomato paste. He started throwing unopened boxes of cereal on the counter, then a loaf of bread and a bag of pretzels. We should take all of it if we can, I said. What about the people who live here, Xavier asked, a troubled look on his face as if he had just realized he was stealing food from someone's house. I don't think a lot of people are, are around anymore, Xavier. I, I mean... Let's go see if there's a backpack in the garage for me, he said, cutting me off. At first, the garage looked pretty empty without a car, lawnmower, or any cutter you'd expect to see in a garage. But the row of cupboards along the far side looked promising. There were six doors under an ancient-looking workbench with random blotches of paint here and there, blue, green, and tan, and red. Behind the first two doors were boxes of old saws and scraps of wood. Behind the next two doors were boxes of old boots and shoes. But behind the third... The, th the third pair of doors was a backpack, two canteens, a camelback, wa wa camelback water bladder, and a tomahawk. Jackpot, I yelled. I looked over at Xavier, who was looking out, out one of the windows of the garage. I walked over to see what he was look looking at. It. Let's go see what what's in that outbuilding, Xavier said flatly, as if deep in thought. Okay, but we have a backpack and other stuff, I said, holding up. Good. Bring it to the kitchen and we'll put it all together. But first... Let's see what's out there.